This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Whoop, the performance tool that is changing the way people track their fitness and optimize their training through a wrist-worn heart rate monitor that provides analytics and insights on recovery, strain, and sleep. Learn more at whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and use code NOMEAT at checkout to save 15%. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to me Athlete Radio. Matt, I would say, I would say it's not super far-fetched to say I'm, I'm a relatively tough guy. I can, I can withstand some, some pain. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so, given your ultra-running history. Yeah, I mean, that's the only reason I say that. I mean, as far as, like... <laughs> Like fighting and that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm a wimp. But <laughs> you know, like I, I, uh, I can, I can handle some discomfort. Yeah, that's what ultra running teaches you. Uh, yesterday was uh, my daughter's last day of school and uh, like preschool, and mm-hmm. um, she had uh, they had like a big picnic at the school, and I rode my bike over there, had a nice, wonderful time. Was riding it back um, to get on a call with you actually, and I jumped off the bike and took two steps in our yard and collapsed to the ground and immediately started crying. I did <laughs> <laughs> I have I have not been in that much pain in so long. I had stepped weird and twisted my foot. It's not like my ankle is like the top of my foot. Now it's like this huge swollen mess. Oh my god. And uh I mean I was like laying there on the ground for probably 5 minutes thinking I am going to have to get Katie to come pick me up and take me to the hospital cuz something is terribly wrong. They're going to amputate my foot. Wow. Um and I regrouped enough to uh, get on that call with you, but uh <laughs> but I've it's like been it, I've had it elevated and iced for the last, you know, much of the last 24 hours. And just or, from stepping oddly, like not, you didn't fall off the bike or something. No, it was like, I just landed, like I had kind of like hopped off and did like a little skip uh-huh. or I don't know, a little like kind of bounce and just landed weird. Yeah. Wow. I can, I mean, it's weird. I, I can get through, you know, hundreds of miles of training on rugged terrain, but I can't walk through my yard. Yeah. You must not have been doing your plyometrics during training. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> that would help uh, prevent those sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Know. Even trail running. It sort of, uh, I would think, would would, you know, get your foot accommodated to all kinds. Of I know, ways I know, right? I mean, you know, it's not that uncommon that I kind of roll my ankle or something on the trail, but you just kind of hobble it off for, right, twenty seconds, and then you keep moving on. And you know, and I liked, I've always kind of prided myself as having strong ankles and feet, right? But something weird happened yesterday. Wow. Yeah. This won't, this won't affect your uh, disc golf training, will it? I don't know. You know. Um, I actually, so this is, so I'm 46, 46 days away from the epic disc golf reunion tournament between my brother-in-laws and myself in Rhode Island. And, okay. uh, and I realized that I was about 50 days within the 50 day window a couple of days ago and, uh, said, I'm going to do at least 75 putts a day to, uh, to train, you know, do some, do some drill training every single day, no matter what. Why don't you tell the nice people what putts are? Because that always is jarring to me when I hear you say that. <laughs> uh, so, you know, just like in bog off or I don't know, any any other thing, the discs uh, are different based on the type of shot you want to hit or throw. Mm-hmm. Um, so And putters are like uh, really stable and kind of a little bit softer and just kind of glide very straight for, while, you know, drivers might have a big hook to them and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
you know, just just like in ball golf, you gotta when you're close to the to the to the basket, you gotta get the disc in the basket. So it's a whole it's a whole different style of throwing. It's a whole different mm-hmm. motion than uh, if you were like throwing gotcha. a regular frisbee. So it's like a free throw shot in basketball, maybe. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know. So putts uh, for me are within like I don't know thirty five feet, something like that. Uh-huh. So and I happen to have a, a practice basket at my house, <laughs> right? So I uh, I set it up. I've been setting it up every day for the past three or four days, and um, getting my getting my putts in. And I did get it in last night, even hobbling around on one foot. It actually wow. feels worse today than it does yesterday. So I don't know what's going to happen today. Maybe the problem is that you hobbled around on it. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. We had a we had a we had a pulse. Q&A episode yesterday you and I did. Yes, we did. For the Academy members on Facebook Live and uh, that wrapped up around 9 and had a little bit of time of some daylight to get it in. Oh, you did it after that? I did it after that, yeah. Wow. Committed. I know. Well, good for you. Exciting. I started my golf trip is at the end of the summer and I've it's now just now that the weather's warm I've begun thinking about it again and I am quite excited about golf this summer, especially with with my son because he played last year a couple times with me, and this year we just a good good thing to be doing. So Is he going with you on the trip? No, but just playing, just because he started playing last year. Oh, Got okay. over those initial first two rounds where it's you know hard and miserable. Not not miserable. It was fun, uh-huh. but where you're scared it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. Uh, so that was good. Yeah, we should play some golf sometime. That'd be fun. You and I. You should come with us. I'm saying you should. Come oh with yeah, I'd home. love to. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember last year before your big golf trip, ball golf trip, mm-hmm. um, you did a bunch of kind of, you would go to the driving range and do quite a bit of training. I did a lot. And then actually it was because I played well in that thing. I got really excited about it and, and motivated. And then I started, that's when I started really focusing on golf mm. in a month or two, month or two after that. But like everything else, you know, came and went and <laughs> now I need to get back into it. Well, well, that kind of discipline did inspire me to to get into this. Oh, good. Get into this drill, you know, disc golf drill. I don't know, whatever activity. I don't know. It's exciting, you know. I think that, that that's the type of those. Uh, you know, it's not it's not nearly as fun as playing around, but like that's how you that's how you get better, right? Doing something that's right. over and over. And as as we've talked about more recently, uh, I'm I'm more and more coming around on the idea that like the stuff that you know, you said isn't as fun as playing around. I think you can, you can really learn to love that stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I like that idea. So that's, that's my latest evolution. All right. Yes. So, um, today we're talking about a topic that I really like. It is one a little bit related to something that, um, what's the guy, Dan Butner, Blue Zones author, Mm-hmm. Also, author of uh, the Blue Zones of Happiness, for which he came on Nomad Athlete Radio and did an interview, uh, which was his his kind of Blue Zones approach, meaning you know let's find the areas of the world that are best at this and then see what what are their habits, what can we learn from them doing and he, that. And he said that we don't need to exercise or eat well, right? <laughs> Just need a community. Wasn't that the takeaway? More or less. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but it but it was. <laughs> But it was basically that efforts to, like I just talked about with me trying to try to get really into golf, uh, he he didn't have a, a very, you know, optimistic outlook on our ability to will changes in our lives, um, which is fair. If you look at the data, it's true. Most people just don't make changes last. 
So at the very end, I had said like, what you know, given this whole book and everything and everything we've talked about, if someone's just going to go take a few tips, it was near the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, what what would they do to start making some really changes to their happiness? I said, should they start meditating? Should they start going to the gym? And he said something. I hope this is fair. I'm not. I'm not totally. Uh, you know, unfairly paraphrasing, he said, like, you know, those attempts like that are are pretty much doomed to fail. They just don't last. Uh, what you need to do is really redesign your environment so that so that happiness comes automatically. Like, for example, move to a place where you have lots of interaction with neighbors, where there's lots of people walking by all the time, and you are always outside uh, seeing those neighbors. And then, you know, now your environment by default has one component of happiness in it, which is interaction this sort of social engagement. Um, so, you know, it's, we had another episode where we kind of dove into that a little bit. I think it was again around New Year's. And, and my, my thesis there was like, yes, when you look at stats, it says that 90 or 95% of people who try to make a change uh, to improve their health or to improve their happiness or whatever, uh, that they fail, that, right? They, it, they change for a little while, and then eventually the old routines take over, and they're back where they started within a few months. And that's true. But like, there are people who it does work for, and I would imagine that those are the people, same people who it consistently works for, and that like maybe there's a kind of skill to being good at making those changes, or maybe the type of people who listen to a show like ours, who you know pay attention to so many discussions about habits and making positive change. Maybe that's the maybe that is the five or ten percent of people who are, you know, who actually often have success with change. So, you know, that, that was that approach. But when we now talk about healthy eating, what this episode in particular is about is what are those kind of things you can do that aren't huge willpower drains to try to be healthier, right? Because everybody wants to be a little bit healthier, do better things. Uh, but we don't always, at all times in our life, have the energy to, you know, go on a big diet or make an overhaul of our, of our, you know, way we eat day to day. Uh, so what we were saying, Doug, is that it would be nice just to kind of pull together some of our favorite tips, uh, kind of inspired by what our blog post is going to be this week, but pull together some tips about, you know, what are the easy things that you can do, that, like the sort of automatic things that you can just do that don't take any real effort at all, and they then sort of put things in place for mm-hmm. healthy eating behaviors to happen. Yes. Good. Or or minimal effort. Yes, minimal, of course, some minimal effort. Yeah. Well, why don't you kick us off? We I think we have a couple like kind of big picture ones and then uh, several little mini tips. Yes, definitely. So I would say one of them is one that probably will be familiar to listeners of the show. Uh, I recently this year kind of got into this freezer cooking idea, cooking for the freezer, mm-hmm. which for me, that idea came from like a lot of times people, I think when they cook a meal, they will think ahead, don't do as much as we want, but like when I remember to do this, I'm always quite happy and proud of myself. When I say, <laughs> I'm making a stew, I'm going to make a double or triple batch of it and then just freeze the you know the two-thirds of what I'm making that I know we're not going to eat tonight. Uh, not just keep it in the fridge to eat throughout the week because that's you can do that, but that's just sort of, I don't know, I don't think it's a very pleasant way of eating and eating the same stew four days later. Just mm-hmm. you get really sick of that sort of thing. Um Similarly with the like prep ahead on weekends idea, that that idea is talked about all over the place. The idea that if you go on a Sunday and you prep all your vegetables and you put them in little containers and you, you know, have all your meals prepared ahead of time, then all you have to do is throw them together uh, during the week and, and you'll eat healthy during the week. That idea has never worked for me either. I don't really like the idea of 
I don't know, chopping up bell peppers on Monday or Sunday and then eating them on Thursday. Yeah, it's not going to taste as good. No, it's going to be limp and, you know, who knows when they even start to start to get, you know, rotten. I mean, I don't know. Um, so that has never really worked for me, that idea that of just like, it just seems, I don't know, it feels boring. I can't see myself ever getting into a routine where like, that's what I do on Sunday is this work on, on prepping food, not even, not even the payoff of like getting to see the meal come together, but just prepping. So that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but for me, it has been this cooking two or three meals on a Sunday, one of which you will eat for dinner that night, but making them in double or triple batches. So you're using all the pots you have in your house. Uh, but knowing that most of what you're making is just going in the freezer. You were cooking only for the freezer. So some of these meals you will not eat that night. You just are making them to freeze. And by doing that, you do two or three meals, you do double or triple batch of each, and you've, you've got, you know, 10 days to two weeks worth of food in your freezer. If you just, just do this one time per month, then you have that many nights where you're going to be eating really healthy food without putting any effort forth. And this isn't bad stuff, right? Like if you make a nice stew and you freeze it immediately and then you reheat it, it tastes just about as good as the night you made it. I've learned how to make that true because it, it, that can be false. If, you know, if you're putting all kinds of, uh, like, I don't know, if, if you put kale into a stew, for example, and then you freeze it and then you reheat it, I just feel like the greens are just not very appetizing later. They just, they just I don't know, they've oxidized a little bit and they're limp and they're not as good. So what I've learned is leave anything that's sort of sensitive like that, leave that out of there. Uh, if it's like a pasta fagioli sort of deal where, where it's a bean stew with some vegetables in there and some pasta in, I will usually leave the pasta out of the freezer part. And when it comes time to cook that night, all I gotta do is cook the pasta up, reheat the stew, and then mix them together. And now you have this meal that feels like you just made it, um, but you made it ahead of time. So the added benefit of making it ahead of time is that you, because you're not in this state of like, I'm gonna eat this right now, so I'm gonna make it as delicious as possible, even at the cost of making it less healthy, uh, you you make it as healthy as you can, meaning don't use oil on the days when you're when you're making this stuff ahead of time. If for some reason you want to add that oil in, you know, on that night you're just you've had a rough day and you're dying for a drizzle of oil on your on your stew, you know, fine, go for it. Uh, if you wanted to saute some spices in oil and stir those into the stew, like you can do that kind of thing. But those things I leave out. I just if you're gonna be take, making the effort to plan ahead, just go ahead and make sure that you're planning ahead as healthy as possible. Don't don't plan to eat something that isn't, you know, good for you. Let that be the unplanned kind of, you know, we, we, we're just doing this on a whim or whatever because we want to. Um, and so anyway, the whole thing, this freezer cooking, what just what it does is it makes it so that you have to kind of try to eat badly, right? Because what, what was happening a lot last year for me was we just have started getting busy with kids' sports and things like that. And we'll come home and, or we'll be headed home from sports practice and realize there's no dinner that we have planned or anything just because it was just too much today to get to that. And what would happen is we'd say, okay, well then let's, let's get takeout on the way home or let's call ahead at Whole Foods and get a vegan pizza and we'll pick that up on the way home. And there were too many nights where like we were eating badly, not because we were excited about eating some, you know, indulgent, indulge, what's the word here? Some, to indulge in some food. (laughs) but just because we just didn't have time to cook something else. So we said, let's, let's flip that around so that, so that the, when we don't have time is when we end up eating our healthiest meals. Because 
you know, that changes everything. Then, then like you still get to go out and eat. You still get to cook from recipes and make something that is uh, luxurious and, and, you know, rich and bad now and then. But you have to try to do that. You have to put the effort forth. So that, that has been a total game changer for me. This idea that like the default food is the healthy food and putting the effort in means you're putting the effort to eat less healthy. I, I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. Now, um, you know, mostly just the, what I like most about it is the idea that, uh, that the things that you're prepping for yourself by default are healthy mm-hmm. and that, that, that doesn't mean you can't, you can't add some unhealthy toppings or something like that, but, uh, yeah, you definitely. know, but, you know, but you at least start with a, with a base that's, that's healthy. What about, so, so I've never, I've never done this. I've, you know, I have done things. I, we oftentimes will freeze meals as we cook a double batch. Um, but I've never like carved out a bunch of time to cook multiple meals and freeze them mm-hmm. just in out of preparation. And like what immediately comes to mind is the, the idea of how unsatisfying it would be to cook something and then not eat it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I said. Like you're, you're making something that you are going to have that night. Right. So it's not like, it's not like you cook and then you're starving. <laughs> well, of course, but you know, to like cook three big meals, you know, they all look delicious, and two of them you don't get to taste for for weeks. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, for the most part, I know what they taste like. Like if there's if there's a new one, so this is this is good that you brought this up. There's a because I wanted to mention a book because I figured people would probably wonder what what types of meals are you talking about, and I think it was in our grain, green, and a bean recipe mm-hmm. or, or episode when I talked about this strategy, um, and largely what it is that I am making is. Green, green, and a bean without the greens, and then the greens can go in when you were when you were you know heating it up again. And that and by the way, I could see someone saying, "Well, you probably don't put the greens in, so you you're not doing this as healthy as you could." And that is often true. It, the, the nights when we don't have anything on hand and we're reaching to the freezer to make this, and we have beans and grains that night, I'm okay with that. Like, yeah, it's not quite as healthy as having the greens in there, but it's not such a bad thing. And if we happen to have salad in the fridge, which we usually do, then we have a meal. So um, there's a book called World Vegetarian by the actress Madher Jaffrey. I'm probably mispronouncing that. M-A-D-H-U-R is her first name. Um, what is she in? What is she in? I don't know. She's in, uh, I saw one movie from her. I think it was on Netflix about some kind of Indian restaurant movie. Was it a uh, holiday rom-com? <laughs> no. Okay. It was not. But it was, that was the only type of movies that you It watched. probably was a rom-com, but it was not a holiday rom-com. Okay. That is largely the only movies that I like. <laughs> but I think my sister put it on for me a long time ago. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, it is one of my favorite cookbooks in the world. It's a vegetarian book. It's not a vegan book. So you need to, you know, omit the yogurt or skip the recipes that have that. Or a lot of times it's just ghee or something like that. And you just use oil instead or not at all. Um, sometimes there's cheese on things. It's just, it's, it's vegetarian recipes that are very easy to make vegan for the most part. And they are from all over the world. And... That that book was sort of the source for like this. Like I just found all these different bean dishes that I wanted to make, hmm. but didn't really, you know, I don't know. I don't have the patience to like just put them on a list and then make them one day. I just wanted to make them all and then have them. So that's what I did. Um, but, the, you know, like African curry dishes, Indian curry dishes, uh, Italian dishes work well. Like I mentioned pasta fagioli. That one's simple. Uh, I have a beans simmered in, in tomato sauce. It's a quite, very, very simple recipe. And so to answer your question, Doug, like some of these, most of these I've had before if I'm making them for the freezer. Uh, Otherwise, I just, I don't know. I wouldn't want to make something that I'm having, going to have to eat for eight different days if if I don't know that it's something I'm going to (laughs) like. 
Um, Fair but enough. like, you know, it's, it's the ones just as I'm doing this, I'm kind of learning which ones are simple. And so like beans and tomato sauce, which is so easy to do. It just, you literally take white beans and you put them with whole peeled tomatoes that you've kind of mashed up with your hands or diced tomatoes. If you want to just skip that step and buy them diced, um, about twice as many beans as tomatoes. And you literally just put that stuff in a pot and let it simmer. And it just turns out to be this really good thing. You can add a little bit of garlic if you want. Uh, but that is such a simple thing that I can I can be making another stew and I can still get that happening on another pot and like we're gonna be having the stove running and me needing to go stir it for the next two hours anyway so it's quite easy for me just to throw this one in there um, so yeah if it was a huge effort that you were putting forth to do that then you're right it would be it'd be hard to not have the payoff uh, until a few days later when you actually do eat it but. Like I said, these are really streamlined, and it's not like you're putting a ton of effort. Like you're just—they're very basic things you're just kind of throwing together to make the base of something that a few days later you'll have. Mm-hmm. Do you undercook things slightly so that when you re- reheat them, they're? No, I don't do that. That's not a bad idea, but uh, especially with pasta. If you ever reheat pasta dishes, like whenever I do that, the pasta falls apart. Uh huh. Yeah, that, that was what made me think about it. And, yeah. yeah. Um. So we don't ever freeze pasta dishes, really, unless it's a soup. No, I yeah. When you like pasta stews, if you even refrigerate the, I don't know about freezing them, but if you refrigerate the pasta in the pasta fagioli overnight, it, it gets this, huge. It absorbs everything, right? Yeah. And then and then you have no liquid in your soup; it's all in the pasta. Uh-huh. So that's why that is an ingredient to just throw in later. The pasta you would throw in later, even the pasta. Yep. Oh wow! It just and it just makes everything seem fresher and better, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. reheating pasta in a stew, then I don't know. It just doesn't. It just seems. Bad. I feel like the beans and and some grains you can just reheat without and, and vegetables and and they don't. There's no loss of goodness. Yeah, we made so, we made orzo a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, put it in the fridge for like left. They did like the what you were saying you don't like to do, which is to have a huge pot of it and you just put it in the fridge and right pick out a little bit. Yeah. Um. <laughs> by the time like. It was gone. The orzo was, I don't know. I mean, they were just so big. <laughs> just like, you could hardly fit them in your mouth. <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyway, that's, uh, that's a fairly big tip. Not all of our tips will be that in-depth. But No. Uh, but I, I really think this is a great idea. I mean, I, I don't mean this is my great idea. <laughs> I mean, I really think this is a, a very, very easy way for someone to, uh, like I said, kind of turn upside down this, this rut you can be in that says on your busy nights which for a lot of us is every night uh you're eating junky food you you can literally make it so that on your busiest nights you're eating the healthiest food and that's what this that's that's a pretty powerful thing you know what else i, I like about it is not just that you have this healthy food but you know lots of times when you're when you're busy or when you're tired not not even busy maybe you just have had a long day you know like a, a hard day and you get home at six or seven, you have plenty of time that you could cook dinner, but you're just tired and don't want to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the default in those situations is to cook the simplest thing possible, which is often a not a very healthy meal, right? Right. Um, but what I and and you're feeling uninspired to like go out and cook something nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like about this is that a you the, you know you have something that's already prepped, which is great, but also. Like just by having, even if it's, even if you have to do more work, like cook the pasta and add in the greens or whatever, um, even if there's more work to be done, you have something that was like the starter 
right. of your meal. Right. And then, um, you know, that's inspiring enough to often just get the rest of it done. Yes, because a huge, a huge part of getting dinner on the table is figuring out what you're going to actually make. That's yeah. like the cooking is we never have a problem with. We're fine with spending a half hour to cook it or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's that it's, you got to figure out what it is ahead of time and then go get the groceries for it. And then it just seems like a big effort. So right, you could exactly. kind of batch those things. Yeah. I like that. Good. All right. All right. Should I do one? Go for it. All right. Mine is, mine's a little more basic than that. I'd say, um, which is just simply to, to reexamine breakfast. Right, mm-hmm. so I think that um, by default, growing up, a lot of us—I'll tell you—you you know what I used to eat for breakfast every day growing up? What? Eggo waffles. Oh yeah. Yeah, every day, just about. Wow. I loved them, and uh, for whatever reason, my parents felt comfortable giving them to me, mm-hmm. and I would eat them almost every day. Yep. Um, you know, and so eggo waffles <laughs> are probably not what most people listening to this are eating, but you know. <laughs> Frozen waffles or or bagels or um, cereal, you know, the kind of like default things that uh, are super easy to make, but are generally not very healthy for you, Mm -hmm. are what people tend to eat for breakfast. And this is the first meal of the day. You haven't eaten, you're breaking your fast overnight. Uh, It's, you know, it's the first thing you're eating in the day. It's the thing that will re-energize you and kickstart your... uh, your day and um and oftentimes it's just it's like junk food right and um and people don't think about it because it's easy it's quick it's you know relatively cheap although cereal is not cheap um <laughs> and uh so what what i what we have done is rethink breakfast and what i challenge other people to do is to rethink breakfast as well to either focus on the smoothie or a big bowl of oatmeal um both of those can be relatively cheap and easy almost almost as fast as uh, a bowl of cereal um, and you can get so much good stuff in either of those dishes from the for, for breakfast you know with with smoothies you get fruit you get greens you get you know some protein with some nuts and seeds uh, you get water or some sort of liquid that's gonna rehydrate you um, you get all this kind of good stuff which is not only just a good way to start the day, but also it kind of jumpstarts your, you're kind of hitting a bunch of, uh, I mean, you know, if you get a, 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 a portion or two of, of greens, you know, before nine o'clock in the morning, like that's great, right? That means you don't have to play catch up later on in the day. Um, and I just, I, I feel strongly that like the breakfast is a really good way for people to make a small change that will, uh, will kind of, jumpstart them in a more healthy way throughout the day yep i think that is correct uh it is it's one of those sort of kind of like a high leverage meal like if if you make the right choice of breakfast it i think it becomes easier for you to make better choices for your next meal right and hopefully for the next one as well totally um it also i think what the part about this right you're not just saying eat a healthier breakfast because like you know that that could take willpower just as much as as anything else could just you know eat a healthier version of this meal yeah but the things you're talking about, I think what people don't realize is that they don't take extra effort. Mm-hmm. Like to make a smoothie, especially once you've kind of figured out, like gotten over the hump of figuring out what is your typical smoothie, like what's your foundation, which just means trying different recipes and finding one that you like um, or or doing it on your own. Uh, once you figure that out, like you said, it doesn't take any almost any more effort to make that smoothie. Probably less time to make that smoothie than it does to toast your waffles, <laughs> your frozen waffle. Mm-hmm. Um 
like might take a slightly more hands-on effort for sure to actually do it but in terms of how long it actually takes you to get that meal right. menu you just throw it, it in there and yeah yeah so these are these are it is almost no additional effort once you've figured out what your recipe is mm-hmm. and uh i'm not denying that that can be like a a hurdle like figure out what my recipe is i know for the longest time before nomad athlete came along actually my wife and i we just we wanted to start drinking smoothies because i don't know i guess they were a fad then they were just this thing that we knew and i like had it on my list i don't know if i literally had it on the list i very well may have that was like start drinking smoothies figure out a smoothie recipe and i went for a few weeks without actually doing it because it just seemed like this hard thing that i was gonna have to you know was gonna be really delicate balance of ingredients mm-hmm. uh it, it really isn't that. Like, we put a few tablespoons of nuts and seeds in there, and then we put bananas and then some frozen fruit, and then you add enough water until it's the right consistency. Yeah. And maybe I make it easier than, than it is if you're doing it the first time, but uh, it it sure feels like it is that simple. And it, well, I, I think it really is that simple. I mean, it, it may feel intimidating at first, but, like, it really is that simple. And, you know, the amazing thing is that if you screw up and don't put enough water in, you can just add more water and re-blend it, and you're good to go. <laughs> Or if you put too, too much, much water in, you can, yeah, I don't know, you can add some more fruit in there or something like that. Yeah. Just don't um, put too much. Just keep it low and then yeah, add more. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I think that this is just such an easy way to uh, to get an alternative to some, some of the health, or less healthy breakfast foods. Um, and if that if that is too complicated for you, and this to me it was a mental hurdle just because it took a while for me to think of fruit raw fruit as an actual meal for some reason when you put it in the blender even though it's still raw fruit it felt more like a a breakfast but like just eating a banana and you know or an an orange or something like that for for breakfast just didn't feel like a proper breakfast yeah i think that's another good point right i was going to suggest that people like when we were talking about dinners you and i agree on that eating really simply and like having the ability to kind of just throw together a few things and call it a meal Mm-hmm. Uh, which a lot of people don't have that quote unquote ability because it's just not what a meal looks like to them. And they just think that is, it just doesn't feel like you're eating a whole meal if all you're eating is a salad and a smoothie and, you know, the two apples that you have in your house that day, which I get, right? It doesn't seem like it. But that, that is a, that's, as we've said, something that kind of takes, it took me a long time to start to feel that way. Like you just, to kind of undo this old concept of like a meal has to, be a square meal and have this right. much protein, this much carbohydrate, right? Like to undo that took a long time. So what having a smoothie does, as you you just sort of said, is that it kind of automatically undoes that for you. It makes it seem like this simple little thing, fruit and nuts, which if you just ate those on their own might not seem like a meal. It just makes it feel like, okay, I have a smoothie and now I now this actually is a meal. Mm-hmm. And so it without having to spend a lot of time and just, you know, change your view of meal over time it just it just makes it seem more like a meal and i think it's a good thing i think i think the the closer you can get to eating just a few ingredients you know combined minimum or minimally processed order to be combined the better agreed good okay um next one i have is it's not really a tip well i guess in some ways it's a tip it's it's about it's about the willpower yeah and so I think this is fairly obvious, but it's not one that everybody does. Um, Chef AJ, who my wife has has learned a lot from and has really benefited from her stuff, she has all these different little like phrase rule type things. But one of them was if it's in your house, if it's in your house, it's in your mouth. And I know AJ talks to a lot of people who um, 
you know, maybe come from a background of eating disorders or just, you know, sensitivities around food. And so she's she's speaking to a somewhat different crowd than we are. I think, you know, not not all people, but but in general. Um, but this one to me, it just seems to apply to everyone. And the idea is that like, if you're buying something from the store, 90% chance that is ending up in your body, right? Like you're, it, when you buy the ice cream, you were deciding then that I'm going to, or we, my family, are going to eat this ice cream, right? It's unlikely you're going to end up throwing that out or make a decision not to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, it's it's slightly, I think, slight that that level of depth is slightly more than just like if you buy it, then then you're going to eat it. I of course, right? Um, but I just think I think somehow that realization that like when you were making the decision to pick it up, you were essentially making the decision that that this is a food we want to be eating and we're going to eat this. Um, so what that means is that the time to not, the time to exercise your willpower is when you're shopping. Once it's already in your house, there's, there's very little point in trying to have willpower and say, I'm not going to eat this thing today because I shouldn't eat that ice cream. I mean, you bought it, you're going to eat it anyway. So the thing to do is when, when it comes time to buy it, which is usually the time when you less want it. Right, that's the time when you're just out getting food, and there's that old tip of don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Be kind of full so that you don't make all these impulse decisions about what seems good right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's way easier to make the healthy choice. So just don't get it. Like if, if now if you if you like your family having that ice cream treat every now and then, and you you eat it at a slow pace, then <laughs> fine, have it. I'm not saying you shouldn't have those sort of things. But I'm saying if you're someone who doesn't want to eat ice cream anymore just stop buying it. Like exactly what I said with the freezer thing, make it so that it takes effort to eat unhealthily, right? And then if you still want to go out and get the ice cream sundae or whatever you need to do to to make yourself satisfied on a certain evening when you're just dying for that, then fine, do it. But this way, it's not the default. This way, it's not the easy thing that is there for you to do uh, that quickly becomes a habit. Just just don't buy it. And, and like, yes, it means you will have a few nights where you're kind of suffering and you're saying, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. And you debating between going out and getting it and not. And that's stressful. I've, I've been there on days when I try to say like, or weeks, whatever I say, I'm not, not going to have any beer, no alcohol. I get in those days where I'm like, I really want to go get it. But having not bought it makes it way more likely that I'm not going to have it that day. Mm-hmm. So a fairly obvious tip, I know. I mean, right, don't buy it so that you don't have it. But that is the time when it takes way less willpower than it does when it is right there ready for you to eat and you have to you have to force yourself not to yeah yeah you know i i once dated a girl who ate a bowl of ice cream after dinner every single night really yeah wow (laughs) every night it was just what she did anyway um (laughs) uh yeah no i think i think this is a good tip and um we discussed it a little bit last night on that on that Q and a, um, mm-hmm. and how, uh, for me, it's hard. Like I, I, so I'm, I gave the example of, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a snacker. I love corn chips. That's my, <laughs> that's my default. You give me a hard time about that. I've focused in on that a little bit. Um, I just never known people who like corn chips. I mean, do you get them in salsa and guacamole and stuff or you just eat them? Sometimes, because chips? But sometimes I just eat them cause they're chips. Okay, good. I don't know. Do you get the flavored kind or you just plain salted chips uh organic blue corn chips okay that's They're not weird. flavored i think that's weird <laughs> i mean i think if you get the ones that have the seasonings already on them then it's sort of like that is your that's your substitute for the dip yeah that's the flavor that's coming with the chip 
I mean, sometimes, you know, I dip them in hummus or salsa or guac. Uh-huh. Okay. But but last time, I just snack on them. Just okay. like throw a couple Good. on on the plate and snack on them. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, you'd bake your own very easily. Hmm. I mean, they're not going to be as good as the ones that are fried in oil, but they, you just buy corn tortillas and just put them in the toaster. That's a, that's a good idea. I mean, they give you the crunchiness and the saltiness and the uh-huh. corn flavor, but they don't have the have the oil, which is what makes them so good. But maybe I, I should know. maybe I should uh, air fry them. Yeah, perfect. I don't Do have that. an air fryer, but I'll come over to your place with some corn tortillas next time we do a podcast together. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Anyway, but it, I was talking about how how hard it would be for me to like go through the grocery store and not grab a bag of of corn chips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you and you said your response was, "Well, that's because you don't really want to give it them up." And I think that that's a legit response. And uh, you know, I think that that's that's probably accurate. Like, <laughs> if I really wanted to, I just wouldn't do it. Right. I think if you if you didn't want to, I don't. I don't think you would have a hard time at the store, like walking past that aisle. Like maybe for a second you'd say, I should get corn chips. And they say, no, I'm not going to because I said I wouldn't. I would imagine that the last you think about it, right? It's not like the whole time now you're bothered for the rest of the trip <laughs> thinking, I gotta, gotta go get those corn chips. That's how you feel in the moment when they're in your house and you want them. Uh-huh. But probably not in the grocery store, yeah. No, I think in the store, it's it's really not that hard. But um, but someone who was listening to the Q&A, the, reason I, the whole reason I'm telling the story is because someone was listening to the Q&A. And I, th- I mean, I think that those like, it is so much easier to make healthy decisions when you're creating a list or when you're thinking about what you want than when you're actually presented with all the foods. Yeah, of course. You know, like, because, like, I don't know. I don't know how many times this happen, has happened to me, but uh, it's often. You know, I'm, I'm at the grocery store and I'm getting some tofu, and right next to the tofu is like the processed sausages or something. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'll, I'll grab one of those too. You know, I get the tofu, of course, but then I also grab something else. Um, you know, that, that happens, I don't know, not all the time, but you know, regularly, right? Yep. Um, just cause it's right there and you're like, oh yeah, that, that sounds good. I'll get mm-hmm. that too. And without like a second thought about it. But, um, so I suggested that you make a rule that you, uh, you write everything down that you're going to get and you only get the things that are on the list. If it's not on the list, you can't get it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, um, Structure might help uh, if if you deal with things like what I'm what I'm saying about just kind of grabbing things on a whim. Yeah. Um, and then someone else responded, and this I thought this was a great idea too, is that all of the uh, not all of them, but a lot of grocery stores now have the service where you can you can order it online, and they'll either deliver it to your house or they just have it all ready, mm-hmm. and you just go pick it up, right? So that you don't have to do all the grocery shopping. And someone said that. Th- they've started doing that and that has significantly cut down on the impulse buying. Mm. Um, and I thought that was a great idea. If that's something you're struggling with and, um, you know, I mean, personally, I like going to the grocery store and picking out, you know, especially produce, mm-hmm. um, everything else I don't care about. But, um, you know, but if, if that's something you're struggling with, then, you know, for a few extra bucks to have it prepped for you so you don't have to deal with it, like, seems like a really good, a really good suggestion. Right. I would suggest that people think that sounds like a good suggestion, that they take advantage of it now. Because my guess is that if that actually works, then it's not going to be long before the order forms that we do these <laughs> have plenty of impulse buy ads and pictures all over them that make sure that people can't just get what they want. That there's all Well, I'm sure, I'm sure it does, but I don't know. But you don't think like, I don't know. I'm sure it does have that. But if you're just like searching through the list or whatever, I don't know. I don't know. I've never done that. I don't know how it all works, but... Um. I just yeah. I thought it was a good suggestion. Agreed. Or have your have your um, you know have your 
husband or wife who maybe doesn't deal with that as much, the impulse buying. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Perfect. Good. So have the wife do it. That's your, that's your tip, Doug. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just, it's perfect. Sorry, I can't. I, I just love corn chips too much. Can't do any grocery shopping from now on. You have to do all the grocery yes. shopping. <laughs> right. Good. All right. Um, next up. Next salads. Up. Let's talk salads. about salads. Okay. How about dressings? Should we talk about dressing? Yep. Go for it. <laughs> This was another tip of mine, um, and one that uh, kind of inspired this whole discussion because we're working on a blog post right now about oil-free salad dressings, homemade oil-free salad dressings. And um, so for me, you know, I think by default, a lot of people, if you don't make your dressing, which a lot of people don't, some people do, but a lot of people don't, um, you can take a really healthy salad and then... By default, you you get some sort of dressing with a ton of oil, like a vinaigrette or something like goddess, which also contains a bunch of oil. I mean, you know, Annie's goddess dressing was my go-to for the longest time, um, just you know, packed with all kinds of processed things that aren't particularly healthy for you, and you douse it all over your salad, and all of a sudden this, like, beautiful, vibrant, healthy whole food salad is coated with all this processed oil. And, um, and you know, one thing we're talking about with these salad dressings is that it is super easy. You know, oftentimes you don't even need a blender. You can just mix it by hand in a bowl. Um, you can make delicious dressings that are oil-free, that are whole food, that are lower in calorie, that are just higher in nutrients. Um, and you, you know, it's just a really healthy alternative to a store-bought salad dressing. Yeah, so to even go a step backwards from here, uh, I think one of the things, well, like when I'm not eating, when I feel like I'm not eating well, one of the first things that I'm not doing is eating salads. It's just, it just mm. they disappear when life gets busy or stressful. Um, so what I have realized is that when you discover a new dressing, and I've gone through the same thing with the Annie's uh, Green Goddess. I think they have like a, I don't think it's fat-free, but like an oil-free one. Hmm. I'm sure there's still things in there that aren't that good just because it's not a homemade thing. Um, but like when you find a dressing that you love or like a vegan Caesar dressing, which I have found a few of or made a few of, like suddenly you can't get enough salads because it just, you just in some weird way get addicted to it and want it really bad. <laughs> or just really look forward to that part of the meal or part of the dinner or for lunch or whatever. Um, so I think the the tip that kind of fits in this episode for me of how do you get yourself to eat more salad? The answer, if the answer isn't going to be use your willpower and force yourself to eat that salad even when you don't want it, for me it's make sure you have a dressing on hand that you know you like. And often for me this means mixing it up because I have one for a couple weeks and then I get tired of it. But then like the effort would be just find a new one in that moment so that for the next few weeks you're good. You have a new good dressing that you like. Um, so have dressings is the is the tip. But then as you brought up, it's really easy to ruin a healthy meal if you put a bunch of dressing that isn't healthy at all in there. And then because salad doesn't pack many calories, it's quite easy to make it so like 90% of the calories from your salad are just coming from oil. Right. And that's that's not really a good use of that salad as a healthy food. Might still be a benefit to some people. I don't really know. Like if, if the alternative is eating an oily meal anyway, then, you know, eating the oily salad is, is okay. Um, but 
just doesn't take much effort, especially if you're not trying to be fat free, which I'm not suggesting that you do. Fat, I think fat is a good thing. I think fat helps you absorb the nutrients from salad, uh, as well as many other good things that it does in your body. Um, so that's what makes it good. It's not the oil that makes it good, it's the fat. So you have, I mean, you don't have to, but find a dressing recipe that has fat in it still, usually from nuts or seeds or avocado, and use that. If you just simply take a vinaigrette recipe that you know works and you just remove the oil, which is three quarters of the liquid in a dressing for the most part, that it's three to one oil to vinegar usually, uh, you're left with this thing that is really acidic and not balanced at all and just not very good. So I don't, I hope people don't think of that when they think oil-free salad dressing. Think of a, something that is good and creamy, uh, like a, like a tahini garlic kind of recipe where it just, it just tastes delicious and rich and flavorful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's not fat free, but it's whole food fat. And that's, you know, then, then that salad is a whole food meal and it's healthy and it's good. So have a dressing and make it yourself so that it can be have fat in it, but be whole food. Now you can buy these sort of things. Like they do exist now in whole foods. You can get, uh, you can get that exact thing, some sort of tahini garlic thing. Um, but anyway, that's, that's it. Yeah. And uh, I got one more bit of salad. One more. Well, Go ahead. I, I just wanted to add that, you know, a little plug for our post that uh, we'll be dropping the same day as this podcast. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> is uh, there's like, we we have a, like a ranch in there. We have a bunch of creamy, like really good, save, you know, kind of like mouthwatering dressings that are mm-hmm. all fat-free and all whole food. Yes. There you go. So on the day this podcast comes out, go to nomiathlete.com and then go to the blog. And you'll find it. Uh, one more salad bit, which I've mentioned plenty of times before, is that if you just serve the salad, or I found if I just serve the salad to myself or my family at the same time as the meal is finishing up, uh, people don't eat it, or they eat half of it, or they'll try to eat it at the end and they'll have a couple bites, but they'll say they're full. And then I'll tell them they lose their show tonight and have to go right to bed, which is what happens if the kids pull that kind of trick. Uh, but... <clears throat> It, I think like the, the problem is when the salad is competing with with good hot food that smells good, nobody really wants it. Mm-hmm. But when that food is smelling good and everybody's getting hungry for dinner, if you provide them with the salad then, when the other food isn't there, they will actually eat it. Uh, when I'm actually cooking, I'll just kind of open the, uh, I'll just sort of throw it into a plate and pick at it. I won't even like serve a salad to myself, but I'll just have those, have those, veg- those ingredients out. Because when I'm cooking, like, and you smell all that food, the tendency is to want to eat and snack. So if the salad is the thing that's available at that time, that's what you will snack on. So serving the salad ahead of time, you know, 10, 15 minutes before dinner's coming out, say, hey, everyone, salads are ready. Come eat them. Uh, that's how the salads get eaten. Yes. Good? I think I think it's a good tip. Good. Yeah. Okay. What, all right, so we, we have some kind of lightning round ones, right? Yes, lighting round ones. We published a post a long time ago about uh, effortless ways to eat just a little bit better. And again, mm-hmm. that is the key here, effortless. We're not talking about overhauling your diet because that is a way to eat better, but it takes a lot of effort and often doesn't last. So um, yeah. quick well, little be- tips. Before we get into those, why don't we pause for a second to uh, talk about Whoop? Let's do that. This episode of Domain Athlete Radio is brought to you by Whoop, the performance tool that is changing the way people track their fitness and optimize their training. Whoop provides a wrist-worn heart rate monitor that pairs to their app that provides analytics and insights on recovery, strain, and sleep. That's what makes Whoop so unique. It helps you know when your body's recovered or when it needs rest by getting to know your nervous system through heart rate variability and quality of sleep. Doug, how's your sleep going recently? 
My, you know, I was just about to chime in about that. Oh, yeah? Good. <laughs> yeah. Look at you us. know, my, my sleep is going uh, really well, actually. Yeah? I've been sleeping harder and more efficiently than, uh, than I have since I started wearing the band. Except wow. for, you know, there's, there's obviously, there are exceptions. Like uh, when I, I think I talked last week about that festival that I went to where I didn't sleep well. But right. uh, on, a, on a typical night, I'm uh, going to bed a little bit earlier and sleeping more efficiently. Could that have something to do with the fact that you're not running as much? It might. You know, it might. Maybe exercise is bad for sleep. <laughs> Worth further exploration. Yes, definitely. All right. Uh, Whoop even has a built-in sleep coach that looks at the user's day and previous sleep performance and provides optimal sleep times to ensure the user is fully recovered the next day based on their particular performance goals. Whoop monitors your heart rate 100 times per second, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to give you full insight into your day so you can optimize the way you train and it automatically tracks your workouts and gives you strain scores that lets you know how strenuous the training was on your body and to see even more data like your average heart rate, your max heart rate, and your calories burned. To learn more about the band, the app, and the insights, visit whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com. Whoop. Whoop. And when you're ready to get started, use the code NOMEAT at checkout to save 15%. And to help out the show. And to support our podcast. Keep Whoop. the lights on. Whoop.com. Good. All right. All right. So let's get into some quick tips. Um, we've gone a while, so we'll, we'll do them really fast. Yeah. Uh, okay. How do you eat turmeric, Doug? If you have to eat, if you have to get turmeric, if we know turmeric is a good food, but it kind of takes effort to remember to eat it, how do you do it? I like to add it to a slice of, um, <laughs> add it to a smoothie or a salad. How about you, Matt? To me, that is the easiest way. You can also take a supplement, like you can get a pill, and I've, mm-hmm. I've done that a little bit. Um, I don't think, I think with turmeric, you can get literally ground turmeric in a pill. So I don't think there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, process. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. it's worse than, than fresh turmeric. Although ground is different. Ground turmeric and fresh turmeric, uh, they do have, they do somehow do different things in the body, different benefits, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, for me eating that, the fresh turmeric, like, it's hard for me to eat the fresh turmeric because it just tastes kind of bitter and not that good. Uh, mm-hmm. and also when do you just go eat a fresh piece of turmeric? Like that's like another thing you have to do. So for me, I found that if I started adding it to my smoothie, uh, which sounds kind of weird, but it really doesn't taste like it's just like it's kind of like adding a piece of ginger to your smoothie, right? You taste it in there, yeah. and it has a distinct flavor, but it's it, somehow the fresh turmeric. It doesn't. It's not a bad flavor. It's not like the ground turmeric, like you're adding this curry spice to your smoothie. Right. Uh, it just adds this this little zing to it. You can taste a little bit, but uh... yeah, you can taste it. I just wouldn't say it's bad. It's just it's just this extra taste. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing to do is like if you're in the habit of eating a daily salad. Um, well, side note, smoothies and salads are like really good times to get in the things you're trying to get throughout the day, especially if you do them habitually on a daily basis. Then they're sort of your trigger and you're just atta- latching this thing onto it. Um, so that's like why I don't have to think about eating flax seeds because I know I get them in the smoothie every day. Uh, turmeric can be that. The salad, though, it works, I think, just as well for turmeric because it's sort of like a fresh vegetable. Again, a very flavorful, potent one. But if I just remember to eat my little slice of fresh turmeric with my salad, mm-hmm. um, then I will actually remember to do it. And I'll take it in a big bite with, you know, the dressing and all the leaves and everything. And yeah, you'll notice it, but it's just not that bad. Whereas if you just try to eat that one quarter slice, uh, buy it with that quarter inch slice, it, it really tastes, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I got tired of doing that, basically. <laughs> if you just try to eat it on its own. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've never, never really been able to do that. Yeah. And so, and also, by the way, like you don't, at least I don't, um, go get the whole turmeric root and slice off one little quarter inch each time I'm going to do this. I just do them all ahead of time and then 
put them in a baggie. You can either freeze it or just stick it in the fridge. It'll last longer in the freezer, obviously. Um, and the freezer works better if you're going to throw it in the smoothie. Hmm. But anyway, just doing it ahead of time. Very easy to That's do. That's it. You know, I always just take the root and just chop off a little piece. So. Oh, my God, Doug. What are you doing? <laughs> it's not, I mean, it's not. it takes, what, 20 seconds? Would you, like, would you peel the thing, too? Yeah, use the spoon, peel it, and... It's a lot. It's a lot of twenty seconds. That adds up over to, over days. Does all right. All right. Fair enough. You could watch like a whole thirty minute show by the end of the year if you uh, <laughs> if you didn't do that. <laughs> anyway, probably good idea. Then you get fresher and probably more uh, more nutrition. So no, I like I like the idea of uh, freezing it. I think that's a good that's a good one. Just yeah. to go ahead and don't forget a little bit of black pepper uh, will will increase your absorption by of turmeric by like twenty times. So good to do and. Easier to do in a salad than a smoothie, obviously. Uh, that's one. Okay, next one. Buy no salt added versions of canned tomato products and beans. This is a small win, right? I'm not not saying this is revolutionizing your health, um, but I do think that we could all eat less salt. I think that it, there's not much natural about eating salt like we do. Even people who think, oh, I eat this natural whole salt, uh, you know, <laughs> that means you're eating something that is 98% sodium instead of 99.5% sodium. So you're talking about a, a you know one to two percent reduction in sodium by doing that. Uh, yes, you're adding some other minerals in there, but that doesn't suddenly make this salt healthy. Um, I love salt, so this is coming from someone who who you know wishes that we could just eat lots of salt. But I don't think there's a, a whole lot of reason. I don't think it's particularly dangerous, but I think eventually it can be if you're eating a lot of it. So I just try to keep it done to a minimum. Uh, I still add it at the table because I think it tastes good. But like when you don't get it in your canned tomato or beans, uh, you don't even notice, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're going to make up for it by adding a little bit more at the table if if that's what it takes for it to taste good. Um, but I, I just don't think you even notice. So just just don't. There's no reason to get that extra, whatever, 200 milligrams of salt uh, if you don't have to or if it's if it's not going to do anything. Uh, let's see. One fun fact. A serving, a slice of bread and an equal serving of potato chips, which is 15 chips, at least according to what are standard servings, uh, they contain about the same amount of sodium, but with bread, you don't even taste it, right? But mm. salt, or with potato chips, you think of them as a salty food. And the difference there is that the salt is used in the preparation of the bread, whereas with the chips, it's something that is on the surface. So the point there is don't use much salt in the in the food. Put it on the food, because that way you'll use less to get the same amount of saltiness. That's a good tip. You know, I'm going to tell a little funny story on Katie that okay. she might be embarrassed by, but... All right. But it, you know, it's it's uh, out of character enough that it caught me off guard. <laughs> so I think I can put fun of her. Um, we were uh, we were eating some crackers. We were on, on a road trip uh, a couple weeks ago and eating some crackers. And she would like uh, put her hand in the bag, grab it, and I kept looking, is watching her like look at it, examine the the cracker, mm-hmm. and then put it in her mouth. And I saw her do that two or three times and I was like, Katie, what, what are you doing? What are you looking for in the cracker? Cause I kept, I was like, Oh, there must be something wrong with these crackers. Um, and now she was looking for the salty side to put down on her tongue so she could get the extra salt flavor. Ah, smart. You're going to consume it. You might as well. Yeah, exactly. Well right. It. You might get, get exactly what you want from it. Smart. <laughs> Good. I'm going to go Katie. Yeah. Be number six on our list. <laughs> okay. Um, next one, replace water with green tea sometimes. So green tea is one of those things that is very good for you. I think not, not universally accepted, but 
one of those things most of us could could benefit our health by having a cup or two of green tea per day, especially if you can replace coffee with it. But mm-hmm. that's kind of hard. It's hard to replace coffee with green tea for me because I really like coffee. Uh, I would be sad to have a cup of green tea each morning. And I, you can get in the habit where where it's your thing, and I've I've done that. But it's just not not as fun as having that cup of coffee in the morning. So, um, you know, I think it's easy to say, well, caffeine is bad, so I'm going to limit it. But I think I think most people do better by having green tea than water uh, for you know eight ounces a day. Um, we should still drink plenty of water that isn't green tea. But I think green tea is a great thing, and it doesn't. It's it's use it like you don't have to do the whole leaf thing if you don't want to. Um, if you really want, throw the green tea leaves in your smoothie. But get green tea in your diet; it's worth it. Um, just really for for the probably anti cancer benefits more than anything else. Um, so I don't know. Really easy, simple tip to do is just instead of that one of those cups of water to steep steep green tea in it first. Uh, so that that is one. And also, I mean, with coffee, you could also replace some coffee with green tea. I'm not saying you right. have to get rid of all your coffee but if you drink two cups of coffee then make the second one green tea and i think you can get used to that that's that's what i've done and i used to have like a an afternoon cup of coffee uh mm-hmm. most days and uh and now after lunch i just have a cup of green tea instead i get a little bit of a caffeine boost and then i get my my dose of green tea yeah and i mean you, if you don't like the caffeine you can white tea usually has even less than green and many of the same benefits um, so that's a good one. You can also just, you can do herbal teas, which is fine. Like herbal teas are, are still good. Typically they have a lot of antioxidant capacity, but, uh, there are, there are nutrients like that. I guess it's EGCG, um, unless it's ECGC. I don't know. It's EGCG, I think. But anyway, um, they're exclusive to the tea bush. They're, you can't get them anywhere else and they're really good anti-cancer comp- compounds. So, uh, you know, herbal tea, good, like hibiscus tea, very high antioxidant drink uh but just not quite the same as as actual tea all right good all right final lighting round tip there's two more two more yep that's only three oh you're right katie's tip didn't count (laughs) (laughs) um okay this one is one that you know only in the past like three or four years had, had i did i really start to incorporate it um or make the distinction between cruciferous vegetables and regular vegetables there's cruciferous vegetables do some really great things uh Furman says that they are roughly twice as as protective as regular vegetables and the way this was determined was a series of studies like on a population that they said like if, if a population would increase its vegetable consumption by 20 percent, they could expect cancer rates to drop by 20 percent. but it turns out if if that increases in the form of cruciferous vegetables then they can expect instead of 20 they'd expect a 40 percent drop in these certain cancers they were studying so that's where the twice as valuable comes from um this is not to say that like regular vegetables aren't good they definitely are but cruciferous is one that just because they have this kind of bitter flavor they're not everybody's favorite vegetables mm-hmm. um examples would be like kale mustard greens collard greens uh broccoli cauliflower uh, radishes i think turnips but i'm not sure is bok choy considered? Um, yep, cruciferous? bok choy is cruciferous, and what makes them cruciferous is just that they come from this one family that produces a, a four-leafed flower that is, looks like a cross. People, you know, cruci- crucify, so they, they, uh, <laughs> that's why it's called cruciferous. Crucifix, crucifix. Yeah, yep. but you mm-hmm. can crucify somebody. I'm saying you can. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, that's that is beside the point. Um. Anyway, the point is. Replace some vegetables with those when it's an easy swap. So, like, if you're used to buying in the store the the clamshell thing of spinach, 
then get the baby kale. It'll last longer in the fridge too, for the most part, in my in my uh, experience. Oh, arugula also another great cruciferous mm. vegetable. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I I like buying those those to me seem like sturdier greens anyway, so they kind of last longer. Uh, but that's an easy switch for to get some cruciferous vegetables. Again, I'm not saying that every single choice it is better to choose cruciferous because there there's plenty of things in spinach um, that aren't in in the cruciferous ones, right? So it's not like they're just universally better. I'm saying make sure that you get some cruciferous each day. And these are some examples of easy switches to make sure that you do. Um, so so the, anything where you're replacing just a, a less exciting leaf with a, with a cruciferous leaf like arugula or baby kale, um, that's one of the easiest. Uh, what else? I like, you know, as far as like what to dip in hummus, like, yes, you can do carrots. You can do corn chips if you're dug. But you can also do <laughs> big chunks of, uh, of purple cabbage or radishes and things like mm. that. And those mm-hmm. are another easy way to get it. Broccoli, cauliflower, those can be can be dipped instead of carrots or bell peppers. Uh, so there are, you know, lots of easy opportunities to do it as long as you're looking out for them. And I, and I would argue that for the most part, these aren't willpower decisions. Maybe swapping uh, for corn chips would be a willpower decision. But for the most part, choosing broccoli over bell peppers not not that hard. Do you know what you know what the the supermarkets have done a disservice on <laughs> is the uh, the veggie plates. You know they always have carrots and like celery mm-hmm. and then some like really bad broccoli and some really bad cauliflower. Yep, that and that makes it unappealing for me to dip cauliflower in hummus. <laughs> but I freaking love cauliflower. You know, but for some reason that like association of dipping this bad. You know, oh, really, really bad cauliflower. Just yeah. because of party plates? Just because of party plates. I mean, but, you know, but I can get over it. I can do it, and, it, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like I, I'm repulsed by it, but uh, <laughs> I think that that has done a disservice to the world. So I'm party sad. plates should just be, right. should just not exist anymore. Party plates are the cause of our health woes. Mm. Preach. Okay, final one. This is one that I wrote a long time ago. I don't know that I still agree entirely, because for other Ooh. practical reasons. Uh, I said in this old post, replace beer or white wine with red wine. Mm-hmm. And the reason being was that there was, back then, for some reason I love these these studies on alcohol and health. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I just find them so interesting. We did a whole episode on it a while back. Mm-hmm. It was called, is, is, is There Really No Safe Level of Drinking? I think is what it was. Um, anyway, whatever article I had read most recently, or whatever was, was kind of going around at that point, was the idea that, that a lot of the health problems that come from alcohol, they are seen in lesser amounts with red wine than with white wine, beer, or hard liquor. And it was wondered for a while, is it because people who choose red wine uh, are the type of people who just tend to choose healthier things, right? Like that's sort of associated with Mediterranean diet, Blue Zones diets. Um, it's more expensive. I mean, in general, I guess there's, you could argue that there's other, there's plenty of expensive hard liquors. But in general, the people choosing the red wine um, you know, might have other conditions in their lives that were kind of resulting in them being healthier. Uh, so, you know, then it came out that there was the resveratrol in red wine and that in some way that was challenging to sell. I mean, this is fact, this has been demonstrated, that it actually, that resveratrol actually serves to sort of eliminate damaged cells by, by making it, somehow making, it actually kills off cells that are already damaged, uh, which is an interesting way to think about health happening, but, but, that's that was thought to be the reason. So anyway, I I have a sense that red wine is healthier than those. Uh, when we looked when we did that episode a while back, where we kind of looked at the there was this big meta analysis that was done. I don't think there was much distinction there. I don't know if they even tried, but 
in, in saying, is there a certain type of alcohol that is better than others? Uh, I don't that was not one of the things that came from that study was the idea that one was. So I'm not sure if they were looking for that or not. Um, but what I have, my problem here is that I will tend to drink more red wine than I will mm. of the other things because I like it more, uh, but also because the typical way wine is packaged is in bottles, right? We're very easy just to open a full one and then it feels like, <clears throat> well, we don't want this thing to sit in the, well, actually, by the way, good tip, refrigerate your red wine when you're done with it and then just take it out an hour or two ahead of time the next day and it tastes just as good as when you opened it. Not true. Really? Not true for multiple days. But yeah, nobody refrigerates red wine. They do the they do the vacuum pump thing, which right. I feel like does nothing. Uh, yeah, refrigerate. Huh. I have not heard that tip. Wine. Interesting. But still, there's that temptation. We talked, this whole episode has been about willpower. If I open a bottle of red wine and say, I'm just having one glass. Yeah. Even if I You're know it's going to be. You're always going to have a second. Exactly. Even if I know it's going to be just as good the next day, it's just, it's just too good. I have one glass and then I just, that makes me want another. Totally. Uh, I don't quite have that with beer for some reason. Like I can, once a beer bottle or can is empty and poured into the glass, I'm when it's done, it's like it's a big action to go get the next one. And I usually won't take that action. Uh, whereas simply pouring another glass of wine. So I think I will tend to consume more alcohol when I am drinking red wine than others. That's why I perhaps would retract to this one. Uh, there are, of course, those those boxes on the shelf, mm-hmm. whatever they're called. Boda boxes? Uh, yeah, that... Um, that is a, uh, you know, I guess if, I guess it depends how you're viewing it. I've, I've gone through periods in my life where, where I drink way more because of those boxes. <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> it's just this wine on tap and you just go over there and get mm-hmm. it whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That's not a very big committing action to have to do. So it's quite easy. to well, do. It's no, no harder than uh, going to the fridge and grab another beer. Yeah, you're right. It's not. Somehow when it's on the counter, though, staring at you, just can't resist. But anyway... Um, that's for another episode. So, <laughs> all right. So we'll, we'll, we'll put this one in the, uh, could be a tip. It's up to you. It depends. It, do, yeah. do you have that? If you're susceptible to drinking more because, because it's a bottle of wine that's open, then this tip is not for you. Yeah. But anyway, I do think it's better than the others. All right. All right. This was good. good. I think we have to, oh, go ahead. I said effortless, healthy eating. Speaking of effortless healthy eating, uh, what did you have for dinner last night? What I had for dinner last night was a very effortless meal. Speaking of effortless healthy eating, um, I had. Oh, you so you already know from last night? No, I don't know what you had. I don't remember. Oh, I do remember. That's what I thought. That's why I thought you were setting it up. I was repeating that you. Mm, I just assumed. Anyway, (laughs) not always effortless. Some days I'll. No, I know you're into the to the to the long, long, slow cooking sometimes. Sometimes lots of effort. But last night was uh, was a me and my son were together and we were training soccer a lot and we just had uh, refried beans on tortillas and I threw a little um, diced jalapenos in mine and we had some salsa with them and we had some broccoli on the side and what I realized after the fact was that we had a grain a green and a bean because the whole wheat tortillas by the way of course hmm. wouldn't be getting white tortillas uh, so. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> so grain, green, and bean without really even trying. Uh, but that is a good example of, like, that is one of my, and I've just sort of over time started to put together this list. It's in my head. It's not written down. But of the meals that, like, when we're in a pinch, what can we do? We talked about the frozen thing. Um, that wouldn't work that well with my son because he's not into the whole beans. But he will eat refried beans. And I'm trying to get him to eat lots of food these days. So anyway, that's why we did 
refried beans. They're, they are one of our go-tos. You can get them without fat added to them, without oil or lard or anything else. And How about no salt? I don't know if there are no salt added refried beans. There probably are somewhere. These were not that. Uh, and in fact, these were quite salty. But anyway, what did you eat for dinner last, last night, Doug? Speaking of effortless healthy eating. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was effortless for me because my wife cooked it while we were on our call. <laughs> no, but it, it, it was a very simple, simple meal. Uh, I kind of a go-to whatever's in the fridge uh, stir fry mm-hmm. with quinoa as the grain. And then um, yeah, I think we had bok choy uh, from the farm share, which is in season right now. Mm-hmm. Some carrots. Cruciferous. Good. Uh, yep. And, and some carrots and tofu. Mm-hmm. and onion and then we uh and that was it so just a couple vegetables chopped up in a big uh in a big mound and then um a homemade sauce from isa does it ah some nice. sort of ginger yep ginger sauce that's a common trick in my house too as we we say we're making stir fry tonight and then scour the cookbooks for the sauce that we have the ingredients for Mm-hmm. And then you just put that on top of whatever vegetables you had. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you don't have to follow the whole recipe. You just right. get the right. sauce that you want. Yep. There you go. Good tip. You didn't use the sauce system, Doug, on our on Nomadathy. No, we did not com. use the sauce system this time. No, this was a uh, what vegetables do we have that we need to eat before they go bad? Right. Good. And you ended up eating a grain, a green, and a bean. And that's right. Ended up with a grain, green, and a bean. I don't think it probably took her more than twenty-five minutes to do. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's effortless. That's pretty effortless, and it was super, super delicious. Good. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Yes, thanks for listening. That's it, right? Um, that's right. I'll be at the beach next week with some family. Mm-hmm. We're taking the Vitamix, which I'm excited about. Oh, yes, about. good. Mm-hmm. That's a good, good move. Bring an air fryer, too. Want to bring my air fryer? Oh, yeah. Can I bring your air fryer? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's kind of, kind of a big thing to bring. No. You know what we did? <laughs> Sorry, we're getting way off topic. Never mind. I want to hear what you did, and then we'll wrap it up. You know, just uh, we went to REI last weekend. Okay. <laughs> our, Your new, favorite. our new title sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, they were having their big anniversary sale, so everything was 20% off or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean off. we. You mean we were, right? Because you're part, it's a co-op, so you're you're just in it. That's right, yeah. So we were having our big annual sale. We were having our big anniversary okay. sale, that's right. Yep. Good. Um, <laughs> uh, and so picked up a bunch of things, but one thing we picked up was, or one thing we, the whole reason we went there is because we are following suit with every other person in Asheville and every other person in the Aria parking lot and, um, adding a car top carrier to our Subaru. Oh yeah. Yep. So we can hold more things now that we have a kid and don't have, can't, you know, the hatchback can only hold so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we bought a car top carrier, which means I just, I feel like, and see, this is, this is kind of a slippery slope because it used to be that we didn't have a whole lot of room when we went on big trips. So you just couldn't pack very much. And now I feel like I have all this room and I'm like, let's throw in the Vitamix, let's yep, throw in all course. this other stuff, you know, exactly. which, which, uh, I think is, it's, it's kind of exciting, right? Cause we can bring things like the Vitamix and, uh, your air fryer. Um, yeah. but also at the same time means that we're going to just bring all this crap that we don't need <laughs> yeah that is one of those things and that this is another episode to talk about with, with <laughs> minimalism and owning things and like it as i'm trying to be so disciplined about that but as soon as you have more space for stuff it 
it just has a way of getting filled up. It just is this thing where suddenly there's less urgency and you think, why not? And then it fills up. So just glad you're recognizing that it's a slippery slope. (laughs) We are. We are. And we're trying to be conscious about it. My goal is to, instead of like packing the car to the brim, Mm -hmm. to have like a normal amount of things in the car and everything else just up top. So it's just a way more comfortable ride when you're Uh not like, when there's not stuff everywhere. Yeah. Well, that's smart. Mm-hmm. like that good okay well on behalf of all the listeners doug have a nice vacation <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks matt i, I appreciate mean, I it having them because i'm going to be talking to you still a few more times before you go so that's, that's <laughs> yeah. on behalf of them. All, right. all right thanks everyone good. bye bye